You're listening to the Hanging with the AD podcast, where we break down hot topics in athletic administration and lessons learned through leadership. And now, here are your hosts, Josh Matthews and Don Baker. Welcome to this special episode of the Hanging with the AD podcast. This is quite possibly my favorite show of each season because of the great finds that Brian shares with us. That Brian that I mentioned is Brian Dodd. Brian's blog, Brian Dodd on Leadership, is a go-to resource for those both in and out of leadership positions, seeing over 70,000 readers per month, as well as being an author, co-host of the Pursuit of Service podcast, and now our go-to resource when it comes to making our annual book wish list. Brian, thank you so much for joining us again today. Hey, I tell you what, it is always a pleasure, Don and Josh, to to be back. I feel like I'm home. I feel like I'm kind of a pseudo-guest host myself or for the Hanging with the AD podcast. Well, and I think this makes you the leader in the clubhouse uh, for being on our show the most. I don't know what that says about you or us, uh, but uh, we're, we're glad that you took the time today. Hey, we'll take whatever we can get. And it is an honor to invest in athletic directors all across the country. So can't wait to, can't wait to resource them and help make their Christmas a little better and, and glad to serve them in that capacity. Hey Don, hey Don, let me jump in real quick and, uh, just offer one nugget. You said uh, what that says about Brian. So uh, if you if you follow Brian Dodd on leadership, you saw he posted early in the spring or fall that he came out to Pope High School and spoke to our coaches during our preseason uh, coaches um, retreat night that we do, coaches night out. And um, once again, I don't know if this says anything about him or not, but we've won one state championship. We're playing in another. We're in two in cross country. Our cheerleading teams had a great fall. Our flag football team's top ranked, so, uh, you know, our sports uh, programs are off to a great start, and Brian Dodd started that all for us. So uh, if somebody's looking for some motivation and uh, and success rate, Brian Dodd might be your guy. <laughs> well, I, I, I trust me, uh, I had some good stuff to work with that night. You have created quite a culture there at Pope High School, and and it was an honor to invest in them. That you, You've got a – You've got a great thing going there at Pope. We've got some good people here. Thank you for saying that. They they get it done for sure, and they're having a good fall, so it's good. Yeah. All right, Brian. Now, my mama said it ain't bragging if you can do it, uh, and you did it with your book, 2021, The Year in Leadership, The Stories of Faith, Athletics, Business, and Life, which inspired us all. This is a good one. I've used it almost as a daily reading of sorts. I know you and I have talked about that, and at 204 pages, it is right in any AD's wheelhouse. So tell us about it. Yeah, that it, it's the book I always wanted to write. And really what it is, it's it's a collection of all my best uh, uh, blog posts from 2021. So that's why it's got 2021, the year in leadership. Uh, let me go ahead and just give the disclaimer right out of the gate. I don't talk about, you know, sex, politics or anything controversial, you know. So but there is a lot of sports leadership lessons in there. And different people that are that are profiled, Chris Paul, Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, uh, you know, Nick Saban, Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola, uh, Shohei Otani, uh, you know, just a lot of different athletes and a lot of different, you know, of those type of circumstances. I'm also involved in kind of a Bible study with professional baseball scouts and coaches, as well as collegiate and high school uh, there's several articles in there on lessons from them. And if you're interested in sports, it, I, you know, and look, I'm biased. I get it. 
I think it's just one of the funnest reads you'll have. And there are leadership lessons on every single page. Not a single page is wasted. And uh, yeah, if you're looking for a great Christmas gift for you and your staff, Amazon's got the book on sale right now for only a little over $12. So it's very budget conscious if you're looking to to buy them in bulk. And yeah, I think it'd make a great gift for you. And, and thanks for pointing that out. So Yeah, so right here it is. 2021, the year on leadership, right behind Brian there, his left shoulder. Uh, we got a copy for every one of our coaches. But the cool thing about this book is, uh, as Don kind of mentioned, and Don sold it to us this way, it's kind of like a leadership devotional book uh, as you go through these different blog summaries that you put out in 2021. And, uh, you know, for me, I, I would say I learn more from cross vocational leaders than I do from athletic directors sometimes. And I just read one of the uh, blog summaries there today about a pastor in Milner, Georgia, and the different um, leadership lessons he was teaching through a, a seminar you went with him. And I think that's where leaders, uh, for me at least, can gain the most insight is when you cross vocations and learn from other leaders. And you can definitely do that in your book. And thanks for sharing. I, I, I agree. It needs to be on top of everybody's list. Brian, number two on your list, we find another book about soccer. Uh, this book checks in at 352 pages, maybe a little bit longer than average, but you feel really accomplished when you read this one. Uh, it's called Standing Alone, Stories of Heroism and Heartbreak from Manchester City's 2020-21 title-winning season. It's by Sam Lee, Daniel Taylor, and Oliver Kay of The Athletic. Yes. Uh, this book and another one, are for me fascinating reads. Um, the Athletic is a daily subscription-based sports newspaper, online newspaper that I subscribe to. By the way, I'd recommend it to anybody. Uh, but these are three of the European soccer writers for The Athletic. And so what The Athletic does a couple of times a year is they'll take all the articles from an entire year and they'll put it together in book form. So it's a great, you know, resource. It cuts through the clutter, those type of things. But the reason I bought this book is, number one, I'm a Manchester City fan. Uh, but number two, their manager, Pep Guardiola, is one of my favorite leaders in the world, regardless of genre. And so I really bought that book to do a case study of Pep Guardiola. And I was I was not disappointed at all. And, you know, one of the and I'm, I've got some various notes here and I'm going to pull up Pep um, and just read uh, to you uh, some of the things from him. But what I love about him is this. There is a difference between a great coach and a coaching great coaching greats shape the sport. Hmm. And this is this is who he is. Um, and he says this. Vision, authority, uh, man management, motivation, training ability, and uh, strategic skill. The differences between average coaches and the very best coaches can be enormous, and they're found in those areas. Wow. And so what happens, and I'll talk about it with Alan Stein in a little bit, but at a certain level, athletic greatness is the baseline. The difference is in the margins. And this is what this is what Pep stress, stresses. And another lesson from that book is money buys players, and it, but it does not buy creativity, original thought, relentlessness, 
and an almost insanely drive for perfectionism. And that defines Pep Guardiola. So if you're looking at, if you're wanting kind of an outside the box, we here in America, uh, European soccer would be outside the box. If you want an outside the box profile of a great leader, standing alone would, would be a very good book for you. And see, that's why we love having you on because you find, you find these things that most, most people may not like, I, I'm a, I'm an American football guy, right? My only connection to soccer is through my daughter, but in that probably would not be a book that I would just snag off the shelf, but listening to you break it down, that's right in our wheelhouse. Right. Uh, and I think that that's, that's the beauty of, of putting this list together. So we appreciate that. Yeah. It's like Josh says, leadership principles cross all, all areas of discipline. You got it. Business, religion, nonprofit, education, athletics. It crosses all, all there and it crosses the pond. <laughs> Very you know? true. Very yeah, true. So it crosses the pond. So. Now, our next book coming at 288 pages is Decoding Greatness, How the Best in the World Reverse Engineer Success by Ron Friedman. Uh, And this one obviously deals with reverse engineering as we look at top performers. Tell us about this one. This was interesting. Right. Uh, Being 100% honest, this is the third time, third year in a row I've done this list. And some years you get a plethora of incredible sports books. Okay. And it's some years it's been last year in particular, there was some great books that would have easily made it this year that didn't make last year's list. Okay. Mm -hmm. This year, at least for me and for my taste, I had to stretch a little bit and we've got three books listed that have to do with high achievement and performing at a high level. Decoding Greatness is one of those books. And you're right. It is a book about reverse engineering. The thing that I would want everybody to get out of this book, and Ron Friedman teaches you how to do it, but become a collector. And what I mean by that is learned, and and you know, Josh mentioned this earlier, learn to recognize greatness in others and then revisit and study what made them successful. And in essence, if you collect enough people You can build a blueprint for success, but then here's where the real genius is. What you you then do at that point is you customize that to your own personality. You know, it it evolves based upon your uniqueness and your your giftedness. So what you do is you build this blueprint, insert yourself into the blueprint, and that's how you can reverse engineer success and become more successful yourself. Man, that's good stuff right there. All right, number four is uh, from one of my favorite podcasters, Ryan Hulk. Uh Comes in at 240 pages. Tell us about the pursuit of excellence, the uncommon behaviors of the world's most productive achievers. Okay, so a lot of the books we're going to talk about today deal with process. Your success is in your daily agenda. Develop processes that work for you and then do them day after day after day after day after day. You know, uh, Trent Dilfer, who's one of my favorite speakers on the subject of leadership, he's coined this phrase called the lonely work. And it's the work nobody sees. It's the film room. It's the 5 a.m., you know, weightlifting sessions, the early morning running. It's, It's the lonely work, the stuff that nobody does. But if you systematize that, that's what ultimately leads to success. And what happens, and I'm going to read you some quotes here. 
High achievers fall in love with the process, not the outcome. Okay. And it's easy to have great performance, a great performance, or if you're a poker player, a great hand of cards, or if you're a coach, hey, just by the genetic gene pool, I had a great group of athletes this year or something of that nature. Those are, it's a statistical probability that you will fall into luck. Okay. But it's hard to be consistently good for a long time, regardless of the circumstances. And you listen to Ryan. And so Ryan does a lot of things, but he profiles very successful people. And one of my favorite stories out of that book came from Billy Joel, the great musician and songwriter. And it says he would rewrite the lyrics of his songs 20 to 30 times. But each time he did it, he would change one or two words. And here's why he did that. He did not view, you know, edition 17 better than edition 16. You know, one's not a failure and one's not better. It's an ever-evolving process of landing on excellence. And so the ability to revisit your system over and over and over and over and continually tweak it, those are going to be the type of things that allow you to achieve ultimate success in your program. Now again, we don't give we don't give Brian anything that we're going to talk about in advance. Again, this is another example of things that we put down on paper and the guests just kind of tease them up because you talk about being in process, that's something we're going to talk about a little bit later. And then, you know, I'm looking forward to this one by Ryan Hawk. I've read his book Welcome to Management and I know that it helped me a great deal. One of the concepts that he touches on in there is something you've kind of just just talked about. This idea of seeking out people who can give specific feedback Meaning if you want to do a, a particular thing better, uh, like find great books, you find people that do that at a high level and you pick their brain like we're doing today with you. So great concept. It sounds like this suggestion of his uh, is going to have some more great stuff in it like that. Now, let's move on to uh, the next one on our list. It comes from author Chris Herring coming in at 368 pages. And this one intrigues me a little bit. I heard about this one and this is an interesting group of cats. So Tell us about Blood in the Garden, the flagrant history of the 90s New York Knicks. Yeah, I mean, you know, people on this podcast will remember the 90s Knicks. You know, they were, them and the Pistons were the antithesis of the Chicago Bulls in the Eastern Conference. Big, rough, tough, I mean, just rough group of, you, you know, uh, you, you know, Stephen A. Smith would call a group of rough riders. I mean, these these were tough guys. Here's why I bought that book. Just as I bought Standing Alone to do a profile of Pep Guardiola, I bought Blood in the Garden to do a profile of Pat Riley. Hmm. And and look, there's a lot of stuff you can get out of this book. Jeff Van Gundy is introduced into this book. The players are profiled. I mean, guys like John Starks, Anthony Mason, Patrick Ewing, obviously. You know, the players are profiled. So that's not if you're if you're interested in that, you can get that. But I really wanted to get it because I wanted to study the leadership of Pat Riley. Pat Riley being candid about it would be interesting to be part of your organization. You would be successful without a doubt. Pat Riley is maniacal in terms of his pursuit of success. Mm -hmm. Maniacal. For instance, uh, he eliminated all Bible studies and chapels from the Knicks because the Bible promotes weakness. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, 
golf was viewed as a distraction and his players were prohibited from golfing. You know, practices were brutal over three hours of intense physicality. It's one of the reasons his teams were so intense. It's another reason why there weren't many young players on his team. They were mainly veterans. Mm -hmm. The young players just could not handle that transition. So Riley had a motto called stab or be stabbed. I mean, a maniac, you know, he looks like Hollywood and all that. He is a maniacal competitor. And so it was it was a very unique uh, profile and unique study. But yes, if you want to know about 90s basketball and you want to learn about the relentless pursuit of success during that era and what it took to be successful in that era, that is a great book. I'll throw this in. There's an interesting about 10 pages in the book because most people don't remember this, but Don Nelson was a coach for a brief period of time between Pat Riley and Jeff Van Gundy. Mm-hmm. So you go from the hardcore, rough and tumble, every game is a fight, Pat Riley, to really Don Nelson was 25 years ahead of his time. Don Nelson would fit perfectly in today's NBA with positionless basketball, three-point shooting, the center bringing up the ball, all of that type of stuff. Nelson was 25 years ahead of his time, but he was fired mid-season because the team just rejected him. And then they brought in Pat Riley's top lieutenant, and they began to have another run of success. Here's the principle. One step ahead of your of your people is a leader. Ten steps ahead of your people is a martyr. You, you cannot get, you have to, if you're in, quote unquote, if I'm an innovator, you have to be very careful not to be so far out ahead of your people that you can no longer lead them. Mm-hmm. And Don Nelson, there's about a 10-page section, two-thirds of the way through the book, which is absolutely fascinating from an organizational leadership standpoint. That's good. I've never heard that about the um, leadership versus a martyr, but that makes a lot of sense. I've heard not, not to get too far ahead. That make that, that's really, really good. So last year you did chumps to champs about the Yankees and I read that book. So maybe now I have to read about the uh, Knicks. Uh, that, that's pretty neat. The profile there on the, that Knicks team. So the next book is another, I don't know how this got uh, kind of thrown my way, but another podcaster, another guy I love. Behind me is a book called The Ideal Team Player by Patrick Lencioni. Uh, love his stuff. Haven't read this new book. It's 240 pages. Tell us about the the six types of working genius, a better way to understand your gifts, your frustrations, and your team by Lencioni there. Yeah, you know, the six types of working genius, I'm going to say this. This is what I told the leaders of our company. We're wanting to go to a next level in terms of how many people we serve and the revenue we generate and things of that nature. I told them this book was the secret to bridging that gap. This book is that good. Uh, I think it's Lencioni's best work. Of course, he did Ideal Team Player, Five Dysfunctions of Team, you know, a number, the, the motive, the advantage, you know, very accomplished individual. There are six types of working genius. Here's the issue. You're a genius at two of them. You're very good or competent at two more. 
And there are two you have no business touching. And I guarantee you in most floundering organizations, you will find a leader operating in one of the areas he has no business operating and he's not spending enough time in one of the areas he should be. So let me give them to you just very fast. I won't have time to unpack them. But the first one is wondering. This is what happens at 30,000 feet. This is pondering. This is question. This is thinking. This is just wondering where the industry is going, where our program's going, where our school's going. This is wondering. Number two, invention. This is, cre- this is creating solutions based upon where we think things are going. So one's thinking, one comes in and starts developing solutions. Third one is discernment. So I've gone from, say, 30,000 feet to 25,000 feet. Discernment is like 20,000 feet. Discernment is like, okay, I've got all these ideas up here. Which of these are good and which of these are bad? Now, a lot of times the person gifted in wonder is not a gifted discerner because they think all their babies are pretty, you know. Right. So, you know, it, it just helps. Okay, so now that you've figured out through discernment, what, what should we be doing? What's a good idea? What's a bad idea? Galvanizing. I'm now at 15,000 feet. This is rallying the people. You know, you have some people in your program and in your organization that people just naturally gravitate to. They're just great team builders. Everybody loves being with them. Now, they may or may not be accomplishing anything, but they love being with them which then leads us to other two. Next 5,000 feet is enabling. This is now equipping this team that's been galvanized. And then finally is tenacity. In other words, now we're producing results. Mm. Okay. So theoretically, you are a genius at two of those. You're, You're competent or very good at two of them. And then two of them, you have no business touching. And so anyway, it's a good process to go through it and find out, okay, we're now those two that you're very, very bad at. It does not mean you're a bad leader. It just means that there was only one perfect person that walked the planet. Okay. And so what you need to do is delegate and hire for those areas that you're weak and then trust them to do that job. Hey, Brian, is there a little test in there like Lindsay only likes to do? So oh, you can figure out which one you're genius at and which one you're not. Yeah, or you could actually go to the table group, which right. is the name of his organization. I think it's $25. You can you can go ahead and take the test. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Good deal. I'll throw this in. My daughter, they they did it for their entire staff. My daughter works at uh, Fellowship Bible Church. And so they did it for their entire staff. And I said, well, I, I bet you're these two and these are the two that you're competent at. And these are the two that you shouldn't do at all. Right. She goes, yeah. How'd you know that? <laughs> well, and I've got I got 24 years of experience with you. So I kind of kind of knew that. So. <laughs> kind of had a heads up on that one. Yeah, I had a heads up. So. All right. Our next selection is one that I'm looking forward to reading uh, whenever I saw this uh, when it came out. It's at 272 pages. Uh, I think it's a good fit for an A.D. Tell us about how to beat a broken game, the rise of the Dodgers in a league on the brink by Pedro Mora. Yeah, in terms of pure sports books, it was my favorite book of the year. Uh, I, you know, and I've talked about this in previous years. I love books on how championship teams are constructed. Right. By the way, I'll tell you this sports books, in essence, are history books. Hmm, agreed. 
Yeah. In essence, that's what they are. They're history books. They talk about a period of time in history, what the leaders did to make things successful and what they did. A couple of things to get out of the Dodgers. Okay. Uh, The Dodgers are a beautiful blend of old school scouting and modern day analytics. They're, They're a beautiful blend of that. And it's funny, I, I mentioned earlier, I was part of a Bible study of uh, scouts and coaches for baseball. One of the scouts in there is a guy named Marty Lamb. Marty is the chief scout for the Dodgers. So a lot of the Dodgers homegrown talent, Marty discovered them. And so he's featured pretty prominently in the book, which was which was neat. But uh, here's here's the thing that you need to know about the Dodgers. Two things. Great players remain great by adjusting. Hmm. Okay. Mookie Betts is a great example. Mookie Betts has something called optionality. He can beat you a number of ways. So depending on how the game is going, he can adjust based upon his optionality. So as an AD, you want to be a great recruiter. You want to be a great team builder. You want to be a great business administrator, know how to leverage finances. You want to have vision, you know, for facilities and things of that nature. You want to have optionality as an athletic director or it, or for all practicality in any field. That way, whatever is needed at a given moment, you're able to deliver it. Okay. Uh, here's another thing the Dodgers do very well. They take advantage of other teams' desperate economic situations. Because they are so good at sc- at old school scouting, old school player development, and the integration of analytics, the analytics make them naturally cost efficient. Okay. Other teams get desperate and overpay or make bad trades because they want the Dodgers' very flush farm system. And so what happens, the Dodgers take advantage of other teams' desperation. So I would just say this. If you're playing another team and you're sensing desperation on the other side of the court or the field, have the self-awareness to to be on the lookout for that and be prepared from an optionality standpoint to take advantage of the desperation the other team has. That's good. All right, Brian, our next one's a big boy book, 582 pages. Yogi Roth and Joey Roberts write about the five-star quarterback, five-star QB. Uh, They state in there, it's the most hype, most intensely scrutinized, and highest paid position in sports. And once a high school prospect is labeled a five-star QB, his life path changes forever. Tell us a little bit about this book and why athletic leaders should make it a priority. Okay, I will say this. This will be the uh, other than 2021, the year in leadership, which is a total selfish request. I will say this. <laughs> this is this is the this is the one book every athletic director needs to have as a resource on their library. You okay. said resource, not read. 582 pages right. could take a lot of us athletic directors a long time. All right. So first of <laughs> all, I'll I'll tell you this because you hear 582 and it's like hitting an airbag in a car. I totally get it. Yes, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right. Here's the thing. Number one, it's a very easy read. It'll read like 200 pages. Okay. A lot of big words, a lot of stuff. It, it's, it's not as bad as you think. But hey, Brian, can I stop you there? Yeah, I bought a book recently from a former guest we had. Uh, Michael Lindsay wrote a book called Hinge Moments. Yeah, and I clicked the wrong button on Amazon, 
and I got the large print. I wanted a paperback edition. Yeah. And I got the large print paperback edition. And it's so large, I almost can't read it. I almost got to go backwards and read small. I'm embarrassed to say I've got a large print, but you said it a lot. You said big words. Every word in that book is big, literally. Well, Josh, <laughs> I'll go ahead and tell you this now. You need to embrace the stage of life that you're in. <laughs> one day it will come where you will just completely value anything large print. So yeah, just used to it. That's right. Yeah, okay. just okay. Here's the here's the reason you need to have it as a resource. Now, if you're looking at my shelf right now, okay, there's some books on here, you know, like the tribe of mentors. I am not sitting down and reading this thing in one one sitting. Okay? Just two, just two settings. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Here's why you need this. Here's what they've done. Over the last 15, 20 years, every quarterback that's been identified as a five-star quarterback, they, they have identified them. And they take you through every process of being a five-star quarterback. What were practices like in high school? How did you lead on campus? What was your recruiting like? Were you ever offered illegalities or money on any of these trips? How did you learn the offense? And what they do, so they'll give a section and they'll have like a one and a half or two page introduction from somebody like Trent Dilfer or Yogi Roth or uh, uh, George, his last name escapes me, but he's the quarterback coach, was on ESPN for years. He's part of Elite 11. He's the guy that does the brooms and running on the beach in California. Anyway, my his name is, but they'll have like a one and a half page introduction. And then they'll have five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 pages of these individual quarterbacks telling their stories. So for instance, there may be a five-star quarterback, Javon Sneed, who never, who never really made it big. You may not be interested in what Javon Sneed has to say, or you may, you know, like anything Caleb Williams is saying right now, I'm interested in. Right. But, but like, was I offered illegal payments on my trip? I just skipped that chapter. I mean, that, that's not a chapter that adds any value to me. Now, if I was a parent of a five-star quarterback or I'm an athletic director, yes, I'm very interested in that. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, there, there's sections in there on who hosted you on your recruiting trip and what was that visit like, and they'll tell their stories. So from, if you're an athletic director and you were blessed with an elite athlete, it is an invaluable resource to help coach that individual, shape that individual and prepare that individual for what they're about to go through. Uh, so that's why I think it needs to sit on the shelf, pulled out when needed. But yes, every athletic director should should have that book. Now you talk about having those elite athletes. I remember we had one. Uh, he ended up uh, being a first round draft pick. I think he went like eleventh overall. Um, and uh, when he was a junior in high school, you know, big kid. You know, he's six five, big kid, but he played baseball. And being a football guy, I'm like, man, I get your education paid for. If you just you just put a helmet on, we'd get it done, you know. And then I think his signing bonus was like eleven million dollars. So uh, he had he had it more figured out than I did. By um, the way, uh, multi sport athletes, there is a section on in there on did you, were you a multi sport athlete? Very important. Yeah, I, I agree. 
Now, we just we just talked about this just a second ago. A concept that we've talked about on here before uh, is the importance of kind of, quote unquote, always being in process uh, as we look to be more effective leaders. And this this next selection is a great resource for doing that. Coming in at 304 pages. Tell us about Sustain Your Game, High Performance Secrets to Manage Stress, Avoid Stagnation, and Beat Burnout by Alan Stein Jr. Yeah, I, I love Alan Stein Jr.'s work. If if you're not, you know, a follower of his podcast or reading his first books, uh, Sustain Your Game, and this one's now Raise Your Game, I, I highly recommend you follow Alan's work. Alan was a high performance and still is a high performance basketball coach. He's coached guys like Steph Curry, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, or, or excuse me, uh, Kevin Durant. Uh, he's he's coached that level of people. And he's now taken those lessons into motivational speaking, corporate America, things of that nature. Kind of like Kevin Eastman has as well, if you're familiar with the former Boston Celtics coach. But yeah, Sustain Your Game is the, uh, is the, is the sequel to Raise Your Game. And it is all about process, preparation, achieving high performance. I'll read you some of the lessons I wrote down from the book. High performers downplay pressure moments. They don't deny it. They're just not dictated by it. Okay. Right. Be process-based, not outcome-based. 90% of self-made millionaires daily make their bed. Okay. That's interesting. With luck and equally talented people, the edge is in the margins. Practice only while you're tired. At the pro level, great talent is the baseline. But humble preparation leads to arrogant performance. I love that statement. Uh, surround yourself with people who remind you of your future, not your past. And I could go on and on and on. But that just gives you a picture of some of the principles taught in this book. And look, it's a it's a fun read. There's leadership lessons, high performance lessons, great stories of people he's worked with in the past. Uh, yeah, it's a great, great book, as is his first one, Raise Your Game. Yeah, Brian, you mentioned a couple of times now successes in the margins, that word margin. I know Mark Miller, a different book, mm -hmm. uh, Smart Leadership, talks a lot about margin. That's a word that we leaders need to think more about. And you mentioned it twice now in two different books of these. So that's good. So, Brian, a tough task on any athletic leadership book list would be to exclude Nick Saban, right? He's right. probably going to have to be on a on a leadership book list uh, no matter what. People are studying him. And you mentioned uh, some of your blog posts in the 2021 book are on Nick Saban. You like to study him as well. Mm -hmm. So we can't leave him off of this book list, right? So the um, this next book's 256 pages. Uh, the title is The Leadership Secrets of Nick Saban, How Alabama's Coach Became the Greatest Ever by John Talty, I think is how you say his name. Yep, John Talty. Mm -hmm. right. Tell us about yeah, that book. I, yeah, you know, so if a book comes out about Nick Saban that looks remotely good, I'm going to I'm going to read it. OK, and so this is this year's version of that. And if I could have lunch with any leader in the world, it'd be Nick Saban. And here's why. And I may have mentioned this before on this podcast, but I, I don't, I don't want to hear, I, I don't need to, to talk. I don't want to talk to him about the process. You know, I've, there's plenty of books on that. I don't need to talk to him about recruiting. There's plenty of books on that. Um, 
I would talk to Nick Saban and I'd say, Coach Saban, talk to me about change and how you do change management. Yep. Because if you look at the type of athlete you recruited, if you looked at the type of, uh, you know, game you played and the type of personnel packaging you utilized and things of that nature, it has continually shifted and changed over the over the last 15 years. And if there was ever anyone who could have the, I'll call it boldness or arrogance or right to stand up and say, hey, look, I think I know what I'm doing. I appreciate your opinion, but, you know, look at the trophy case. It'd be Nick Saban. Right. He continually changes. And I would want to talk to him about change management. How do you stay, for lack of a better phrase, intellectually humble enough that you're always willing to change? And so anyway, when I read this book, that that was what I was looking for. You know, I, I've got I've got plenty of books on, you know, right up there, fourth and goal every day, you know, chasing the bear, you know, a number of great books up there that can teach me all of those things. Um but yeah, I, re- I got that book for change management and and it, it met my expectations. One of the things that I love about how Nick has changed in the last few years is his use of uh, analyst. Fired coaches that are now analysts. And so what he does is he rescues these guys off the scrap heap and he basically says, if you can help my program in some capacity, you can be on the you can be an analyst. You're making thirty thousand a year, you know, which most of them probably got nice, you know, severance packages. Oh so, yeah, where wherever they came from is foot in the bill, right? Yeah, there there's there's not an issue there, but but the ability to bring them in and learn from them and glean from them and watch them rise up through the ranks, guys like Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, Butch Jones, Billy Napier, all these guys that have come up who started as as analysts. It's interesting because a modern, an average leader or an average coach could see this talented person coming up with this talent, with this great resume, and in their mind go, okay, is now the time that they're going to finally push me out of here? You know, Nick Saban does not have that. He is so secure in who he is and what he's doing that he raises these guys up, restores their careers, and then allows them to, you know, springboard to a new platform. I guarantee you the day that we're doing this, Auburn's coach, football coach, was was let go yesterday. It would not shock me if he's not on the Alabama coach as a, you know, as an analyst today. I mean, or on the Alabama staff. Mm-hmm. Um but that's just one way Nick changes. And I would want to talk to Nick about change management and how he does that. And this book gave me a picture and some insight into Nick's thinking on change. That's good. Now, I know this year you gave us uh, and our listeners a little bonus. Uh, you had two extra nominations uh, and we're taping this currently with a World Series uh, ongoing. Uh, I think it's appropriate to have uh, Tyler Kepner's The Grandest Stage, A History of the World Series on it. Uh, this one comes in at 336 pages. Tell us uh, about this one that I believe you're currently reading. Well, yeah. So I put two books on there, uh, you know, because that's what I've read. But what am I reading now? 
Okay. So the book, The Grandest Stage, it actually arrives at my house tomorrow. So I'll start reading it tomorrow. And uh, the reason I want to read it is very simple. Um, The Grandest Stage. How do you get peak performance in the most high pressure situations? Mm, Good. When I read that, that is why I'm going to read that book. They're going to tell great World Series stories and all of that. And, uh, yeah, it'll be great to relive Kirk Gibson's home run and some other stuff. What I want to know, though, is what was the mental thinking, the preparation, you know, what we've talked about. What were they doing in the margins that allowed them to operate on peak efficiency in the most high-pressure situations? That's why I want to read that book. And that book comes tomorrow. And do you want to introduce the other book real fast? And I'll tell yeah, you. Yeah, that, that that word margin came up again. I tell you what, it must be a leadership word. So, uh, yeah, that second bonus pick I'm looking forward to, even though you got to buckle up a little bit. Once again, another uh, big boy edition, 496 pages, maybe the best all around athlete uh, in the 80s and 90s. Some may argue ever. Uh, Nike did a, a huge deal with him and kind of uh, he, he might have made Nike who they were there for a minute. It's called The Last Folk Hero, The Life and Myth of Bo Jackson by Jeff Perlman. Jeff Perlman's a Sports Illustrated guy, I think, right? Yeah, he started at Sports Illustrated. Ironically, I'll go back and give you a little history, especially for the people that live in Atlanta. He was the Sports Illustrated writer that broke the John Rocker story that caused caused so much controversy. Gotcha. The the reason I have that one on there is I just love Jeff Perlman as a writer. Uh, He wrote Gunslinger about Brett Favre. Uh, He wrote one of my favorite books, Three Ring Circus, about the Phil Jackson, Shaq, and Kobe years. So good. Yeah. uh, And so this is his latest book. So to be honest, there's not anything I'm quote unquote looking for in the life of Bo Jackson. Uh, I just like Jeff Perlman. So this is this is all about the author, you know, on, on this one. The thing that makes Jeff so well known and what he's known for as an author is the incredible amount of research and the large number of interviews he does on the subject matter. So they're, they're like, I think instance, I read on Amazon today. Cause I, I, this one intrigued me. I told Don yesterday, this one really intrigued me. 722 interviews. Yeah. This book, the, the amount of sweat equity and man hours he puts into the research of his books. Well, it's what he's known for. It's unmatched with any other right sports author. Uh, let me give you a little glimpse into his writing style. So when he did gunslinger, Okay, the book about Brett Favre, that one got a lot of attention because of Favre's interaction with the rookie Aaron Rodgers and Rodgers coming in cocky. I'm going to take your job, old man, and all that kind of stuff. But here's the interesting thing. Who can give you the most detailed accounts of what happened in that training camp? Well, it was the fourth or fifth string quarterback that didn't make the team. Because Aaron and Brett are going to forget half of what happened during that training camp. That fourth or fifth round person will remember every minute detail of what happened. What time they arrived at the practice facility, what their interactions were like, who sat with who for meals, what time they got on the practice field, how they acted in a training session in the film room. Jeff's Jeff's research into what I would call characters in the shadows that you don't even think about 
that's what gives his book such layeredness and such context and such value is his ability to get those people you would not ever think about. But it's those people that remember every minute detail about the subject matter at the time that really add the value to the book. Yeah, that's great. It's definitely, definitely different when you got a front row seat, right? Rather than on the screen, uh, you end up remembering everything. Now, Brian, once again, you filled up our carts as we look to make our holiday purchases. We can't thank you enough for coming back and doing this again uh, this year. Uh, before we go, uh, tell us about your latest ebook, The Top 65 Leadership Quotes of 2022, Part 1. Yeah, well, what I what I do, and if you're not a subscriber to my website, that's a that's a I, I'm, that's in the business. That's what's called a lead magnet. Okay. Bottom line, we give I give you some free content. You give me your email address, and I get to invest in your leadership. So that's that's the behind the scenes of how all that works. But what I've done is I love quotes, and quotes really you know define things. They they put. They give life to what you feel intuitively. That's what a good quote does. Mm, You know, you're like, that's exactly what I was thinking. You know, a quote I heard this past weekend, um, you know, Deion Sanders teaches his people that the sacrifice must be greater than the gift. Well, when I do the end of the year quotes, that's going to be in there. Okay. Mm -hmm. But what I do is twice a year, once in June and once in January, I just put together an ebook of my favorite quotes that I've collected for that portion of the year. And it's just a resource for leaders because if you do any kind of public speaking, you know, if you're going to speak to the coaches or the coaches are going to speak to their teams, you've got to be able to stand up and say, so and so said this. And I was thinking a lot about that. And that reminds me of you. And then you give your locker room speech. But what happens is the quote, every great leader, there comes a time in every leader's life that they have to stand up and say, here's where we're going. Follow me. So if you're a leader, public communication comes with the job. You can't lead from the green room or from the corner office. You 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 have to lead in front of people. Quotes are a resource for leaders that help them with their public communications, both with their thinking, both with how they word things, and also with their content. And so yeah, I'm thrilled to put that out twice a year as an invaluable resource to leaders. Brian, before we let you go, uh, let everybody know the best way to to get to find you, to get in contact with you, to get some of these resources. Yeah, Brian Dodd on leadership.com. Brian B-R-I-A-N Dodd D-O-D-D. You know, Brian Dodd on leadership.com. I post about five or six times a week, you know, content just from what I'm seeing, what I'm experiencing, things of that nature. I think us as leaders, we're all kind of on common journeys, you know. So it's just about things that I'm going through. But you can obviously reach me through there. Twitter is, I'm old school. I still do Twitter. Elon Musk will love me. Okay. Uh, but at Brian K. Dodd is a great place to DM me from Twitter and things of that nature. And uh, yeah, if you go through my website or you go through Twitter or my heavens, I see y'all two enough. They can reach me through the two of you if they need to. So, hey, right, good good we, point. Right, good point. Right. Yeah. Brian, um, real quick, Don, before we finish, Brian has already blogged about this list. On Brian Dodd, uh, on leadership there. So you can go ahead and see this. We will put that link in the show notes 
so if you took some notes, that's great. But Brian already has some notes out there for you. So we'll link that up in the show notes. Yeah. And if you missed anything that we were going through, yeah, just click that link. It's all there for you. And uh, yeah, glad to glad to get that in your hands. Brian Dodd, you are a good man. And we, we appreciate the fact that you never tell us no uh, when we ask for help. So thanks again for the time today. Uh, the pleasure is all mine. God bless and Merry Christmas to everybody.